2: Punching.
1: recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special super-de-duper Saturday night edition of Political Straight Talk. We are doing this edition because, well, it's Barb's birthday, and Tammy went and watched a movie called American <laughs> Sniper, or American Assassin, whatever it was. Anyway, the time on the East Coast, ten twelve p.m., the time on the left coast. 7, 12 p.m., and since we're late getting started, we'll go ahead and uh, get rolling right along. The main topic of tonight's program is going to be the uselessness of the Red Cross, but we got to throw some politics in there because, well, that's what we do. So we're going to start with some statewide politics. We'll start with Tennessee, and we're going to talk about uh, Tammy went to a fundraiser, We still have yet to figure out where the money is going for this particular fundraiser. But uh, she has endorsed Joe Carr.
0: I have not.
1: A uh, former politician here in the state of Tennessee. And she just went ahead and covered his next four races, folks. Okay. Senate 2018, House of Rep 2020, State Legislature 2022, and Mayor 2024. uh, Because he ain't going to win none of them. But Tammy is going to the mat with him because she loves jumping Joe. Anyway, Tammy, tell us about mm-hmm. the fundraiser. Tell us about Judge Janine, how it went, and your overall impression of the fundraiser.
0: Um, Judge Janine was a firecracker. She told her like it was. I mean, if you think of New York, that's kind of her, even with a little bit of a potty mouth. Um, you know, there were no F-bombs, but she she said, you know, she's tired of all the Senate and Congress and all the people that aren't doing anything. And she said, you know, if you don't have the balls to do it, move out of the way. So she, she's pretty fed up with everything that's going on. She um, told us, which I knew, she, her first husband was an attorney and um, he was Donald Trump's attorney. And she, was, she said, I've known him for 30 years, you know, uh, for a good chunk of my life. And she said, you know, they were, her husband and her would be at the house, and uh, he's telling the kids if they're fighting or carrying on, he's like, you know, you don't talk to her like that, and you don't talk to him like that. Now go get ready. We're going to go to Kmart to go get your school supplies. So she said, you know, for someone who has a lot of money, he really kind of is normal at home. Uh, but... She was just, you know, she was talking about our, our country's in trouble. And it was a, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop when she was talking. Uh, we had good food. Uh, the kind of setup and everything they had was kind of wonkish. But I saw on Facebook where they had um, between six and 700 guests. So it was a full house. And uh, I would I would love to see her come back. I do know that there was a private reception at someone's house, and I believe I know who the who it was that held the reception, and I know her very well. She's on our textbook, um, Mama Mama Grizzly, um, School Board Task Force. Um, so she'll have some, she'll have something in her house in a couple of weeks, and I'll I'll get the goodies. And uh, we'll be able to report that. Um, but it it was a great night. I'm glad I went. I didn't endorse I didn't endorse uh Joe. Um I would not and um Joe didn't announce. So I guess we'll see what's gonna happen.
1: Oh hell, it's only a matter of time before he announces.
0: And he's been told that if he jumps into that race, I was someone called me yesterday and said uh, you know, I said, I went to the event, he didn't announce anything, and she said, well, he's been told if he jumps into that race that he's persona non grata pretty much for the rest of his political career.
1: He's already persona non grata for his political career. I don't know why <laughs> that would stop him. <laughs> well, I am going to tell you, the, the political strategists keep a list <laughs> of people you don't ever go to work for, and uh, your boy's on that list.
0: Well, I, you know, everybody at the birthday party today, when I brought up that I went, everybody, people outside of Middle Tennessee don't understand that, and that's who is, a, who is, you know, going to have to elect him if he ever runs for anything, but everybody here in Middle Tennessee, they like him, but they're tired of him running. They're really, they're really tired. You know, they feel like he's just running so he can get a seat somewhere. He can just, well, I'll run for this, and then I'll get a, get that seat, or I'll run for that and get that. You know, they, they, they're really tired. They're fatigued by him.
1: Well, that is what they're doing, by the way. That is what he's doing. He wants a seat, and uh, if he would run the same race again, and this is the thing, he has a shot of winning a race, but he's going to have to run it a couple of times.
0: Yeah, just pick um, one, stick with it.
1: But his political capital, his political capital is, is is at least from the perspective of a political strategist, unless he gets a newbie or Jeff Hartline's available, you know, I know Jeff Hartline's schedule's so busy right now, uh, maybe Jeff can pick up his race and lead him to victory. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Anyway, for those of you that don't know Jeff Hartline, the cabinet son of a bitch. Oh, he
0: he was there. He was there.
1: Oh, Where's the guy um, from? I have no doubt the son of a bitch was there.
0: He was Where's there. he from?
1: Um, Jeff Hartline. He's from Tennessee. He ran for Congress seven uh-huh. years back, and uh, he's a real piece of work. Interesting.
0: Anyway. He couldn't even run his cabinet business.
1: Well, that's what I told him. <laughs> I'm going to put, we have a video of the debate that took place in 2006. And I had told everybody that we would not post that for 10 years. Well, guess what? 10 years is up. I think I can now post that video. And y'all need to watch where Jeff Hartline, he was sitting beside, oh, uh, oh, the dark-haired guy, uh, Miranda. And uh, we gave, when we did this debate, when we set this debate up, we wanted it to be done a little differently. Okay. So what we did is we gave all the candidates that participated the stage and we gave them each two red bean bags. Much like your coach in the NFL or college has, they have two challenge two challenges throughout the game. So we gave each person a challenge flag or a challenge bean bag that that they could toss and they had two. So we knew Jeff Hartline was going to get hit about the cabinet. So uh, we knew he'd be tossing his beanbags early. Well, sure enough, uh, Tracy Tarram went after him over the bean ba- over the cabinet thing. Well, out come the beanbag. Well, we gave him his time and we moved on. Well, then uh, Patrick Miranda went after him over the cabinet business. How come the second beanbag? And then CC pops something off. And CC's was very measured, uh, you know, Ken Morero, it actually surprised the hell out of him when, when she did it because when he asked the question, she I mean, it, she kept a straight face and answered the question and threw him dead up under the bus. Well, he reaches across, he reaches across Patrick, or it's Patrick Miranda reached across him, and grabbed Bob Reese's and tossed him down.
0: I'm like sure Bob, I'm surprised Bob didn't knock him out.
1: Bob just looked at him and said, um, those are mine. Uh, anyway, so that was a very fiery debate. Believe it or not, it was a fun debate. We had a good time with that debate. We only had to throw one person out for being drunk. And then we, we wanted <laughs> to throw Bill Hemrick out. But we really couldn't because he was one of the sponsors. But um, I didn't realize how racist that bastard was until that night.
2: Can you give us – sorry, this is Jeremiah Guthrie. I'm located in Northern California right now. Uh, I'm in a precinct 7844 in San Francisco. What what You said this guy was drunk and you wanted to throw him out of this meeting. And he's a representative? He's in Congress? No,
1: he was a no, he was a he's just have you ever heard of the Upper Deck Baseball Company? Yes. He founded the Upper Deck Baseball Company. He is the one that created the now famous Michael Jordan rookie card. Anyway, he had he had helped sponsor this debate and, and I didn't know him know him. I'd interacted with him some. And the key was, you know, he had money to throw at politics, he just didn't know where to throw it. So we were kind of, you know, hoping to help go get some conservatives elected. And part of being the sponsor of this event was that he got a couple minutes to say something at the beginning. Well, fortunately, Alan, Alan and you may have heard him on this call from time to time, he was doing security that night. And fortunately, he cut the microphone right as he said what he said. But I was standing next to him. And
0: <laughs> What?
1: Wow. It it was bad. It I had, can imagine. Had had the microphone <laughs> picked it up, and, and it was about blacks and where blacks should be, but had the microphones picked that up, the news people would have picked that up, and it would have been a problem. And so, anyway, the debate itself was very fire. It was very good. Tammy, you were there. I mean, it was a good debate. Yes, I was. Um, And, you know, we... Not bad for a bunch of amateurs that pulled that off, huh? But uh David Hall was the only one that didn't show up at that debate. And in hindsight, you know, I'll give David Hall credit for one thing. They stole my game plan to the T. I was so damn mad when I found out who was, was working 30. for him. When I found out who was working for him, I was livid. Thomas was his campaign manager, and I'll have you know I'm the one who gave Thomas his start, and that entire strategy that they used was mine. It's the one that I use to the nub and he tells so them, you're talking hey,
2: campaign strategy right yes, sir, okay there's a, a lot
1: of Republicans now use a similar version of it but and some democrats i know some conservative democrats in the area that i've worked with not as a strategist to help them but um i've given them pointers off the record because they're good people good pro-life people and you know i've said hey if you want to make inroads here's what you do but uh anyway it just kind of irked me that he used it most people would have come to me and said hey you know i'm going to be working for so and so and and your five tiered bullseye strategy really appeals to this campaign. Can we use it? And I would have told him, yeah, but it just kind of irked me that he didn't come to me with it. It's common courtesy. I would have done it you know if if i if if I'm hijacking another consultant's work, I go to him and say, Hey, I'm going to plagiarize this, and I give credit where credits due, and I expect the same. Because, you know, when I started in politics, nobody was using that. The grassroots get-out-the-vote thing was still three and four years away when I started. And I guess, you know, I guess I'm I'm not angry that he won. I'm glad he won. It just proves that, that the strategy I'd have been using works. I was just kind of aggravated that they, they blew off everybody. And, and they knew David Hall would not do well in front of the camera. And a lot of candidates, by the way, and this is something for y'all to remember. When you have these debates taking place and these candidates are waffling or don't want to show up or don't want to participate, there's only one reason and one reason only they don't. And that's because their campaign guy is saying, look, you are not going to do well. You don't look good on camera. You don't look good in an unstructured setting. Look at Obama. Obama was awful in unstructured settings. That's why everything around him down to the number of strides he took when he walked into a room was choreographed. So, and yeah. I know we're kind of going all over the place this evening, and and I do kind it's of. Pretty, apologize. it's
2: pretty wild. I'll be honest. I I, I was, I I love your the, how far out we're going though because it, it's, it actually it, it's necessary for us to gather you know all the uh, intricacies and the nuances that that are involved in in the overall. Um, picture when it comes to uh, uh, what it what it takes to be, you know, hold, to hold office and to become elected, as well as you know, well, to um, just impress your constituents. Right. It's
1: very, it is a very detailed thing, as a matter of fact, and, you know, I hadn't seen you on here in a while. It's been a while since you've been on here, but uh, it has I been. know you've been on here before, but it's been a while. Anyway, uh, one of the things that uh, I encourage people. I, I'm going to encourage people to do. We're going to be doing a candidate school here on Political Straight Talk. It'll be done over a three-day period, and it'll be about two hours in length each time. And I'm basically going to teach people how to be candidates. And you know, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go into enough detail that hey, you're going to know if you want to be a candidate or not. And if you have what it takes to do what needs to be done, but a lot of people think it takes millions of dollars, and I can run I can run a successful house race contested or uncontested as far as a primary I can run one a full race uh with full staffing for right around a million to a million five that's ad buying everything. So, and whereas that sounds like a lot of money, it's not when you when you think about presidential campaigns or Senate campaigns, the Senate campaign here, our senator currently sitting senator, has ninety two million dollars sitting in his as they call it war chest,
2: so one point five is not a not a whole lot of money no, no. I honor you, and then there's you know especially when you're dealing with just just money that comes directly from contributions, Um, right? That's what you're dealing with here? Yes.
1: I will not – I generally don't work for people that take a lot of PAC money. And if they do take PAC money, it has to be – the PAC has to be on the up and up. It can't be attached to something um, that's shady. If it is, I'm out of there. Now, I worked for President Bush, and everybody knows he took PAC money. But contrary to what people think, he was very adamant about the PAC money he would and would not accept. And uh, most politicians are. There's some that don't care. On both. Let me sides ask you a question. Them.
2: Can sure. Can I ask you a question? Sure. This, now, this is kind of deep, and this is you know, everybody knows. I I like to study law, mm-hmm. um, and. I've recently come across this information about qualified electors, and 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 let me. I was I was thinking with a proper, um, with the right process, you you could one could become a qualified elector. If 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 if, what's the difference between? First of all, what's the difference between a registered voter, right, registered voter, and a qualified elector? Because when it comes to making our votes count and who we allow into the the into the state congress or the national congress um, it it that all depends on who it is that is qualified electors and I'm talking electoral votes of course right um, well, it,
0: and and a lot of that
2: has to do with general purpose government so so my real my real question is what's what's the difference between Registered voter and qualified elector could probably substantiate, right, having more qualified electors put qualified people into positions of, uh, you know, of power, which in this republic would actually be, you know, extremely uh, beneficial to to whatever whatever party it was that was backing, you know, that that one. Now, right? as I recall, and I don't remember all of our discussions, it's been a couple of years since we had
1: one discussion But as I recall, was it you that was talking about, oh, shoot, I don't remember the definition now, but basically, um, oh, it may not have been you, about not recognizing the United States government? No, that was
2: not me. Because I totally recognize the U.S. government. Maybe it's somebody that was on
1: one of your calls over on that other show that that goes on. But anyway, yeah, some people
2: actually like to associate with me. They want to. They actually want to make me appear like I'm friends with them, like Roddy K, Law Fan, (laughs) other people like, um, 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 even Charles Stewart, right, from Mm -hmm. ConstitutionalGov.us. But the idea is that these people will actually attempt to. Like Charles is good. Is a good guy. But everyone else, I don't know those guys. I don't know Roddy. I don't know Law Fan. All they do is perp me every time I come on a call. They perp me. They want to be my best friend. They want to act like we're in cahoots when I think they're my enemies. See, because I I don't have nothing in common with those people. Well, they've See? been over here a couple
1: of times, but I don't. I block yeah. them. I mute them when they yeah. come
2: over. Anyway, yeah, that's good. So yeah, here's, here's the, the thing, thing though. With, with 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 my my question to you is 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 strictly about the power of qualified electors. And and in a municipal construct, mm-hmm. right, you're dealing with qualified electors of, of a supervisory character. Right. And and that's general purpose government, and it doesn't really represent the local constituents, right. uh, the re- every single individual re- uh, registered voter. So my question is, I guess, is there something we can do to make more votes count, or is that just a... a should I never even pursue that that area of discourse? Okay, a qualified elector versus a registered voter.
1: First of all, for those of you out there, a qualified elector actually has 50 different definitions, depending on which state or commonwealth you are in. Okay, so that's problem number one. Um, I, and, and I'll just kind of give you one that, that I'm aware of but a qualified elector is any person who is 18 years of age, a United States citizen, and who has has resided in a state at least 30 days prior to the next preceding election, uh, or 30 days preceding an election, okay, in which they want to vote, obviously. Now, registered voter, obviously, same criteria, except for you go put your name and get a voter registration card. So that's the difference as I understand it. Now, to answer your question, do I see them, would it garner more votes using a qualified elector? The answer is yes. Because then people wouldn't have to go register to vote. However, I think it opens it up, that would put the onus upon County governments to make sure that every person above the age of eighteen was on a roll somewhere when voting day comes. Okay, so
2: right, you
1: know, I kind of like. I the totally idea. grasp what you're saying. And then part of the part of me does like the idea, and part of me don't, because one of the things that that here on this program that we talk about a lot is the fact that less than you know forty percent of the population is currently voting.
2: I don't believe they feel motivated. They have no motivation. Why should they vote? They don't even—they're not even really necessarily parts of the community, you know. Uh, they don't feel accepted. They don't feel appreciated.
1: Right. Well, I mean, look at Tammy. Okay, we love Tammy here on this program. Don't get us wrong, but Tammy's like the redheaded stepchild. Okay, nobody wants her around. She <laughs> smells funny when you're with her in person, um, and she don't go vote much. <laughs> she has me muted hi me, Tammy that's, that's nuts.
0: <laughs>
1: Tammy are you there <laughs> Tammy's like I'm not even listening she's probably watching live <laughs> PD sounds about what she's doing is watching live PD forget the fact that she's on a program where she's a she's panelist <laughs> and should be ready to talk but anyway she muted you,
0: you as I would with that
1: Barbara Hush, just because it's your birthday. By the way, everybody wish Barbara happy birthday. She's 92 years hey, strong.
2: Birthday. How many years? 92.
0: Thank you. I have, I have no life.
2: <laughs> really? That's no. amazing. You sound great.
0: She's in
1: her on 70s, the... we think. That's why <laughs> How old are you, Barbara? Seriously. That's funny. Barbara.
0: How old am I? am not going to tell you that.
1: Well, we know you're above 70 and below 80, no. so spill it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm 39 again.
1: No, that's what my grandmother used to say. I'm 39. 39. And holding 39 I said, again. I told my grandmother. I said, "Mama, you can only right. hold 39 so many times. 39 times 39 ain't cutting it." When she finally passed well, away, <laughs> she. <laughs>
2: Let three. me ask you this: Bar- Is it Barbara, right? I'm afraid. What's you know, her name? What's yeah. her name again? Barbara. Barbara? Barbara, are you, is, it a, is it a capacity Barbara? thing? Why don't you say, tell us your age, because I'll be honest with you. When, as I get older, right, I feel like I get more and more in tune with reality. And, and, and when I get up to the, to the 70s, I hope to be extremely in tune. And, and I think that that should qualify me even more, uh, especially as someone reputable in my community uh, and so would would put me in a position, uh, advanced position, especially politically speaking. You know, so I think I would be proud of who I was and 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 whatever age I was. You know, so that's why I'm asking. I mean, you see, you're on this call, so it's it's kind of important. Well, what well, the problem is, her birth record was I... was burned up in the fire that of uh, the Alexandrian Library back in. Uh, what was Did you it? let her answer. <laughs> On, let's let her answer real quick here. <laughs> Barbara, how do you feel about my question? Is it okay I, if
0: you I worked. I worked on the Nixon campaign. so.
2: <laughs> that's about as much as we're getting out of it. And here. I
0: couldn't vote then.
2: I'm a, and wow, I that's could not huge. vote then. That's huge. So, okay, that makes sense. And you know what? I appreciate you sharing because I feel like a newbie here now that you said that. With, and it makes me feel campaign. a lot more
1: well, humble. I tell you what, why don't we just why don't we? Mark, tell him how old you are. Me? Yeah. I'm 38. What? All right. Trisha, spill it. So
0: what?
2: How old you <laughs> are?
0: 67.
2: You say 67? 67. That's a young ass. That's Seven. very young. She's my friend. Very young. You say 50 or 60? 60.
1: Six, seven. Dang. I young lady,
2: calm, calm down, young okay. lady. Come.
1: Tammy Tammy is what, 64?
0: Okay. i you.
1: you. know, Tammy, Patricia you may not realize this, timing. but you're muted, so you might want to unmute or turn no, off the TV. No, I'm not, I'm
0: not 64. I'm far from it.
1: She's 82.
2: Oh. I noticed you come unmuted for that one.
0: <laughs>
2: well, guess what, guys. I'm 43. I'm, again, I'm the only. I'm, I want to honor you all. I want to let you guys all know that I'm here listening. I'm going to back out of the call. I yield the mic, but I just want to let you all know be listening, and I appreciate yeah. all your time tonight. Okay? You guys are great right. people. Thank you. Keep it moving. Well, Mark, listen, Mark, you baby. do realize
1: you're the baby on the call, right? For-
2: yeah.
1: Are you 39 or 40 at this point? Unfortunately, I'm in. I'm in my 40s. Just for you. Okay, you're 40.
0: Just Just for you Jeremy, I'll tell you. I am also 67 today. That's all. <laughs>
1: Damn. That's I it. Were, yeah,
0: that's it. I thought that's you were all. so
1: much older. 67?
0: I know. Well, you know. Yeah, I yeah was thinking that's all. I'm
1: 30. Wait. Which which just Nixon?
0: <laughs>
1: which Nixon campaign you you, you worked for? The, the presidential or the uh, when he ran for governor of California? I think he was. I think she was working the gubernatorial campaign. I, th- I think so. Anyway, you know, we're not going of Day today. We'll, we'll start doing that tomorrow. So let's roll into what I we
0: what feel- to call for. Okay.
1: Thank you. I was By going way, to say
0: I held Lincoln's head when he was dying.
1: So. Oh, uh, 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 Your birth certificate burned up in the fire of 1812? I get it.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: anyway, so, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to edit this stuff no. out of the call. People that listen in are like, what the hell are they doing? Special edition, my ass. Okay, anyway, so, let's... <clears throat> This program is brought to you by Chick-fil-A, where they did not invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. And by the way, they're leaving us as a sponsor in January. Boo. I'm saddened about that. Why? Um, December 31st will be their last day to sponsor. Huh? Well, they didn't get. They didn't the give a
0: reason.
1: They didn't give a reason. I'm still going to promote them. I it was can't. because of you, Barbara. No. No, I mean, they've been a sponsor. It's because by, of me. They've been sponsoring me ever since I started this. So I can't really complain, you know. Uh, anyway, so also it's brought to you by Secret Sleepers. For those of you that haven't went to Facebook and looked up Secret Sleepers, you should. Uh, great company that's getting off the ground. We are going to send... Uh, people into hotels and grade the hotels on service, amenities, room service, et cetera, et cetera. If you'd like to do that job, you can go to Secret Sleepers on Facebook and sign up, and someone from the company will get back to you. So Secret Sleepers on Facebook, they you can have, also visit them, Secret do Sleepers. What, Barbara? They have tet- feet
0: pajamas, or is that an entirely different thing? Huh? <laughs> Secret sleepers? Is that like sleep pajamas or beach right. pajamas
1: or? Throw so your pajamas on, yeah. Huh? We sent. I sent one of the first ones okay. out to one of the first contract people out to do a job this weekend. As a matter of fact, they are staying at a oh, uh, so- Crown Regency, and they're getting to live it up. So they're getting to use room service three times a day. They are using their their tab is gonna be high. So good thing the company's paying wow. for it. Anyway, so the purpose of tonight's call is to talk about the Red Cross. Okay? Now to put the Red Cross into some perspective, let's rewind the clock back to nineteen and ninety six. So everybody in your minds, go back to nineteen ninety six. In nineteen ninety six Bill Clinton was, well, <laughs> enjoying cigars. Yeah. Monica Lewinsky was still a fresh based <laughs> intern, and all was well at the White House.
2: Looking for, looking for a blue dress. Okay. Wait, I, Monica
1: was enjoying cigars as well. I decided that I was going to do something uh, to put my newfound skills to use. So I went to the local chapter of the American Red Cross. And I and a buddy of mine by the name of Thomas West decided we were going to sign up and become disaster response people. So we were put on a team. We were trained, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. So fast forward to September the 11th, 2001. I've been on disaster response team for five years at this point. Um, As many of you know, on that morning, I was in Sarasota, Florida. Okay, at nine fifteen, nine sixteen, 9.16, as we are on our way back to the airport, my pager goes off, and it was my Red Cross pager. In five years that I'd carried that pager, that thing had never went off. It took me forever to figure out what it was. Well, obviously there wasn't anything I could do, so I called Thomas, and I'm like, what are y'all doing? And they said, look, we've been told that we're being dispatched, and you need to get here. Well, obviously, I couldn't. Couldn't tell him where I was at, what I was doing, just that I couldn't come. So, long story short, we're going to fast forward. Disaster relief teams are on the ground in uh, Alexandria, in New York City. Uh, There's disaster teams on the ground, are getting ready to go on the ground in Pennsylvania. They have other teams standing by all across the country. Let's fast forward to September the 12th. The Red Cross goes on national TV all over the place and says, we need money. We're providing services for the the 9-11 victims. That fund is all gonna be funded by donations through us. And so they start getting in money. Well, my wife and I donated $500. Um, Thomas and his wife donated 500 I mean, it was a lot of money come pouring in, and I mean a lot of money. In the first 48 hours, the American Red Cross has ra- had raised almost a billion dollars. Okay? Wow. Now, in 2001, that's a lot of money. Still a lot of money now, but for it to be raised in 48 hours. Well, money still kept pouring in. NFL, it went on, and hey, donate, you know, press this to donate to the Red Cross. And I mean, it was a push all across. Well, they ended up raising almost $3 billion. So, as things settled down for us and we kind of got back to some semblance of a normal schedule, I went to the local Red Cross chapter, let them know, you know, apologize, I couldn't respond, blah, 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 blah. Well, we come to find out several days later that the leader of the American Red Cross, uh, Mrs. Dole, at the time, had decided that $1.5 billion would be earmarked for the 9-11 fund, and the rest of the money would be put into the Red Cross's general coffers for general expenses. Okay, well, talk about some mad cookies when I found that out, because the internal word was that they were going to replace all of their computer systems across the country using money earmarked for the 9-11 fund, and to say that I was mad was an understatement. To say that many people were mad was an understatement. We were madder than an Ethiopian watching a donut roll downhill. Okay. I went to the local office. I demanded my $500 back. And I took all of my equipment and my gear. I laid it down on the counter, told him to give me a receipt for all the stuff that I had turned in, and that I would never, and capitalized the words NEVER, Donate one more drop of blood, one more equity minute, one more dollar to any damn thing they ever did. After some teeth pulling and threatening to go public and raise teetotal hell, I got my $500 back. Most everybody in Greene County that donated got their money back. It got so bad here in this area that the Red Cross to this day has no blood contracts here. In East Tennessee, the Red Cross has zero, count them, zero blood contracts here. They were dropped and picked up by Medic, if anybody knows what Medic is. Uh, Medic has all the blood here. People will not donate to the Red Cross. So the furor over that causes them to publicly say they're going to redo their funding, but they did not. Okay, So let's fast forward a little bit. And let's fast-forward to 2007. Here in my area, tornadoes hit, okay? I'm currently sitting in a house that the tornado decided it was going to move a half an inch. And yes, the tornado picked up the house and moved it. Okay picked up our poor little shed. We found our shed a mile and a half down the road. There was a trail of cake pans. We were at least able to follow the cake pans. So maybe that was a funny way of Hansel Gretel's breadcrumbs <laughs> without the breadcrumbs. But anyway, so when they came here, they set up, and here's what they were doing to help people that had lost everything. They gave them a $75 gift card Buy them what they needed. Now, granted, they gave it per person. So people were told, hey, you can go to Walmart, Kmart, wherever, and use these gift cards. They're activated. Oh no. <laughs> Guess what wasn't working? The gift cards. <laughs> so every single person that got a gift card from the Red Cross, it did not work. And the Red Cross said that, well, people were just trying to take advantage of the system. They never fixed the cards, and people just got mad and said, you know what, we don't need you. And so they started, they basically created their own situation. And people started helping other people out, and they just bypassed the Red Cross. Now let's move on up to uh, Sandy, Hurricane Sandy. Now. Hurricane Sandy tore a lot of the Northeast up, especially New Jersey. What is key about the state of New Jersey? It's a union state. Did you know that the Red Cross, when it operates in a union state, they have representatives there, and if you don't have a union card, they will turn you away, even as a volunteer.
0: Wow. They will turn you away. Hurricane Harvey, you've got
1: people that, and these are on-the-ground people. The Red Cross is not doing anything to help people. They're there. They've got a presence there. But their tent's not up. They're not, accept, they're not out helping people. They're not providing placement. They're doing nothing. They had shelters open in Florida. They didn't bother to show up. run those shelters. And that come from law enforcement. They didn't show up to run the shelters. They want them open and they want to take this money. But here's what most people don't understand about the Red Cross. If you give them money, okay, that money goes to their general fund. So let's say you donate it for Hurricane Harvey. You know what the chances are that money is going to be used for Hurricane Car VR? Zip. Nothing. A ten percent chance, I think. Okay, it's zip. 10%. They're not going to use it because by the time they've asked you for money, they've already went to the local chapter. The national chapter doesn't pay these things. The local chapters do. So it it gets to be it gets to be fairly complicated. And this money that they've brought in for Harvey, because they brought in over a billion dollars so far just for Harvey. And now they're saying Irma. Uh, They're doing a big fundraising push for Irma. But the Red Cross isn't doing anything. There's volunteers on the ground, but they're being stymied. They're being told, hey, you know, know, don't leave Mm -hmm. our 10 area. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's the locals that are doing things.
2: Well, this begs, this begs an important question, and that is, how much of what the Red Cross is doing is state action? And when the people step in, are they, are they actually um, you know, doing the job of the local government?
1: In 2005, when I was sent down to Hurricane Katrina, okay, I, most of you have heard this story. I'll give, you, I'll give you all the nutshell version of it, just so you can understand what happened. I was sent down there several days prior to to Katrina making landfall. My job, coordinate the local officials and the state officials so that FEMA could get off the interstate. Okay, Contrary to what everybody thinks, FEMA can't just roll up into town and take over. Can't do it. Unless they're invited by the local government, in this case, Mayor Nagin, or the state government, in that case, Governor Landry. The issue is that they have to stay on the interstates. They have to stay on federal property. There were semi-trucks full of supplies lined up for miles. Okay? 52-foot trailers lined up for miles. You think about that. Okay? Could not get off the interstate. A lot of politics. Well, here comes the Red Cross. Okay? The Red Cross shows up. They set up this tent off back to nowhere. They demand that the National Guard guard them because they had gotten reports of looters and this and that and the other. And people started showing up to get help from them. You know what they told them? Wait till FEMA gets here. Wait till FEMA gets here. So I went over to them. I'm like, okay, why are you telling these people wait till FEMA gets here? Well, they just need to wait till FEMA gets here. The only reason the Red Cross shows up at these places is so they can do a steel shot of their little tin up and they put it out for fundraising purposes. Okay, and then they show the picture of the guy in the Red Cross helmet, which by the way is the International Red Cross, not the American Red Cross. There is a difference. That photo is the International Red Cross, which has absolutely nothing to do with the United States. Okay? So, you know and and people say well you're just pissed mm. off over 911 no i'm pissed off because billions of dollars pass through the red cross's hands and they use it for internal crap that if they need money they need to go out there and raise it like everybody else has to and not claim that they're doing all this millions and billions of dollars worth of work in the uh, oh, disaster areas
2: that is awesome Man. you are giving me some good ideas sir so I and want to, turn, to thank you for what you're saying right now,
1: and to turn people away because they don't have a union card. I got news for you. I think unions are the most worthless pieces of shit in this country, and they all ought to be done away with. <coughs> okay, they are. They're 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 pathetic. And as I told one last night, you know, people want to support unions when they affect them. I had a caller on last night who she hates most unions, but not the one her son works for. Because the one her son for, works for makes sure that she has, that her son has a job. Well, that would be what I call a hypocrite. You either support unions or you don't. And unions have been the destruction of the blue-collar working class in this country. And if you want to know why little Johnny, who doesn't want to go to college or who can't go to college, can't go out and get a damn job, you go thank the unions for that.
2: Yeah. They're, because they're totally
1: bought and paid for,
2: right? I mean, think about that. That's, that's huge. That's the issue.
1: And I gave up a perfectly good job, you know, now that I'm, you know, later in years. it's probably wasn't the, the best of jobs, but it was a grocery job, uh, bagging groceries for a, a company called Dominic's out of Chicago. And paid real well. It was a great high-end grocery store. I loved the job. But they told me, you got 30 days? Or if you don't join the union, you're out of here. And I basically told them, look, I'm a hypocrite. I'm not joining the union. And I said, I bet, though, if I could sign a way for you to collect that $40 a month from my paycheck and not be represented, y'all would be quite happy with that. And yes, I lost the job. They sure canned me because I would not join the union. But my point is, and even down to natural disasters. When stuff like this happens, we don't need the Red Cross. We don't need FEMA. We should not depend on other people. Your community should come together. Okay? Nashville, 2006. Yep. No, not 2006, 2010. Okay? We got flooded out. Now, praise the Lord. I was on top I was on top of a hill, but my uh my, my councilman and a friend of mine, his house was, it came up to his door, and we're out in the road in front of his house trying to keep motors from going down this road. And when they would, because they would get mad because we was trying to stop them, I had a rope tied around me, water running everywhere. We'd have to swim down there and get them, and then swim back. And you know what I never saw that entire time? The Red Cross. When the water went down, the Church of Christ I have to hand it to the church of Christ, okay? Religiously I don't agree with much of what they do. But the day that they could get those trucks into their church parking lot, they had trucks sitting in their church parking lot with the back doors open. They had cleaning supplies, they had building supplies, and the only caveat was you worked in teams and you went out as far as you could go and start working back towards the church. You helped whoever you could help. They didn't care. And and I never saw the Red Cross. Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, Taco Bell, they brought their mobile trucks out there. Not one question, not $1 charged. They would start cooking up food. As those of us that were coming in to get more supplies, they'd tell us, take 25, 30 pizzas, feed people. And that's what we'd do. Never once did I see the Red Cross. Never once did I see anybody go on TV begging and bumming and a whining and complaining because
2: communities that's right. didn't come together. You know, well, let well, me well, say well. something real quick, and that's and this, you guys. Corporations have been doing, from what I've read, at least sixty percent, forty to sixty percent of the work in the common law, uh, you know, country. Uh, that that they're doing a lot of the work for the private people. Now that's important because. There's a huge propaganda against corporate government, you know, Uh, and we don't need necessarily. And and that's, again, a, a huge propaganda because there's corporate government and then there's municipal government. But the idea that corporations are stepping up, you know, and acting on the behalf of private people actually says a lot to their credibility, you know, to the credibility of these private organizations not and 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 does damage to uh, the argument that somehow corporate governance is bad. So I appreciate your comments right there, brother.
1: Well, I can tell you one thing. I got on the phone when I lived in Nashville. I lived less than a mile away from a Sam's Club. Okay, and my little boy Noah, my my youngest, he was and he'll tell you he was famous at that Sam's Club. Everybody knew him by name. He could walk in the door. I mean, we we're in there all the time. So I took him down there, and uh, they had they had been hit, but not too terrible. They knew it was coming. Uh, when they learned that, the, that uh, Mill Creek had risen up, what they did is they got all their stuff up off the floor and put it up on their high shelves. And anybody that's ever been in Sam's Club knows that they've got plenty of room on their shelves. So, yes, it got in their store, but it didn't damage their product. So I went down there to them, and I said, look, we got people that have no water. We need water. Can you donate water? Sure. And so I figured, you know, we'd get a pallet of water. Nope. They asked if one of the Church of Christ trucks could come up there and back up to the door. And backed up to the bay, and Wes, who was the manager of the store, gave us every bit of water he had, gave us all the bleach that he had, all of the cleaning supplies that they had. They loaded up two trucks for us. Okay? Didn't ask me no questions, did nothing. I signed the paperwork, out the door, me and little Noah went. Okay? And my point being is that during that entire time, I never saw a commercial for the Red Cross. I never saw saw the Red Cross. I didn't hear anybody asking for the Red Cross. What I did see were churches taking up collections to buy two-by-fours and to buy... um, floor joists and to buy these things to fix up these properties around there. They didn't want to know if you went to church there. They didn't care. These teams showed up, and in 15, 20, 30 minutes, you've got an entirely new floor down. You've got a place repainted. And I'm not kidding when I say these teams would go through there, and they could have an entire house completely redone in 30 minutes because so many people were on top of it. Never once did anybody say, you know, there's going to be a bill for this. Never once did anybody say. uh, And in the poorest area of Nashville, which is considered Antioch, okay, and anybody that's lived there refers to it as one of two things, the United Nations of Antioch or Hispanioc. Okay, very poor area. (laughs)
2: That's Uh, wrong.
1: Well, I mean, it's true. Ask Tammy, she'll tell you, that's what everybody calls it
0: you know new
1: nations now. It was a high crime area, but people came to work. People came together. There was no looting. And I think that's important because downtown in Nashville, where Opry Mills Mall is, yes. no looting, no people causing damage.
2: Oh, God.
1: Nobody doing the dumb shit. No. Everybody no. worked together and fixed this up. No. Nope. And I'm not saying we're unique, but we are the volunteer state, and uh, we do get shit done. But, moving forward, so 2010, let's move forward to 2012, which was Sandy. There's one other incident where we ran the Red Cross off. Uh, We ran the Red Cross off.
2: Mm. uh,
1: That's interesting. Well, they they were
2: more harm than good, and... Uh, Who the heck are they, anyways? A, is that a federally organized agency? I'm sorry. Who is that? It? No, that's international. You said it a second ago. The The Red Cross is an international organization. So the money yeah. that go, that goes direct, directly to the Red Cross for help out, uh, you know, Florida or wherever these Houston stuff. It actually doesn't even go to any national organization. It's, it's a beautiful point, sir. I wish you would have. It, it goes to their. It goes
1: to their general fund. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you can earmark your donation and they're supposed to earmark it, but there's really no proof that it's been earmarked. I tell people, if you're going to make a donation to those sorry bastards, at least earmark your donation. Okay, so uh, 2014, maybe 15, there was a burnout victim here locally, and... uh, bad situation. A large family lost everything and they called the Red Cross. The Red Cross said, well, so what do you want us to do? Um, use some of the funds that you've got and help this family out? Oh, well, we can't do that. Why not? Not enough people. Send them to the homeless shelter. What? Those were their exact words. Oh, my God. So... The Salvation Army, which isn't even in this town. For those of you, there's somebody that asked me about the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army got to it. They got to it. Within three days, they had this family put up in a temporary house. They had agreed to pay the rent on the property for six months. They had everything of theirs replaced, beds. They went and talked to uh, GE, got all their appliances replaced, went and talked to Robert's Furniture here locally. Robert's Furniture supplied them with bedroom suits for all the children, bedroom suit for the adults, living room suit, kitchen table, and some outside furniture. Not one penny was ever asked for, but I'll tell you what happened. When it went public that they'd done that, guess what a lot of people went dead? They went to Robert's Furniture, and what they do? They bought new furniture. When they found out that GE or Warpool, Warpool GE, same company, had replaced all the appliances. What do people go do? They go buy new appliances, helping out GE. So, you know, kindness is. But my point is, is that the community did it,
2: Mm. and the Red Cross didn't.
1: And so Mm -hmm. I see the Red Cross on TV. I saw them on TV today.
2: Wow. Dude, you – okay, okay, okay. Let me me interrupt real quick. Here's why. What (laughs) you're showing me now is that what we need to do – in, in order to bring a little more of this justice, right, to the local communities, is literally get in contact with all these local corporations, okay, and hold them accountable a little bit more and be, like, solid with them in letter writing and have someone tangible that they can, you know, uh, associate with at the local level so that way if anything does happen in that area, then we would have we'd have some go-to apparatus, basically. The, the, to, back in... Mm-hmm
1: back in uh well hang on a second Um, uh, i need to tammy yes are you paying attention
0: yes i'm sitting right here paying attention
1: do me a favor take over the conversation for a moment about two minutes and i'll be right back
0: okay uh, actually because i wanted to say something when they were talking uh, earlier about fema and about the red cross i was um emptying groceries or bringing in groceries, and I caught uh, the tail end of a story that was on the news about the churches and synagogues, and they said mosques, but I highly doubt that there were any involved in that because I've seen different stories, and so they did not help in the floods in Texas and Florida. But there are several churches in those areas, especially Houston, because they're already to the point of... where they can get some repair, uh, that the FEMA, because it's a church, will not help restore their sanctuaries. Where these hmm. churches... Right.
2: Well, that's a problem because these, a lot of these churches are 501c3 corporations, right? Right. And so by by yeah. having that status as a corporation, that would... Ex- you would expect that fema or or red cross would actually be behind them you know because they do have that corporate stat um i'm sorry um well i guess you could say it's a corporate status yeah
0: It's the designation yeah and i mean they they more so than some of the other fema and some of the other things helped the people during the flood and you know they fed them and they closed them, and they housed them, and they're asking now for FEMA help to help restore from, you know, the floods in the hurricane, and FEMA's not going to do it. FEMA is really kind of saying they're not going to do it.
1: They won't because it's considered, recognize- they can be construed as recognizing a certain religion. FEMA has always made it a practice not yeah. to redo churches they will not rebuild churches. There's ways around it, but as far as directly handing the church money they ain't gonna do it. Generally what happens is they'll give the community yeah. certain grants and then the community grants can be used. So let's continue with on the thought process that Jeremy have. And again, I'm to come back to my own little community just because I've seen it in action here. Um There's a program that the government gives block grants for called LIHEAP, Low Income Heating Energy and Assistance Program. And basically what that means is if you heat your home with gas, coal, wood, electricity, whatever, and you meet certain income requirements, you can apply for assistance from this program. And usually you'll get anywhere from $400 to $500. A season to help you with your expenses. Okay, so if you have electric, they will call the electric company and put a $500 credit on your account. Okay, Uh, if you've got coal, they'll buy you $500 worth of coal. If you've got wood, they'll pay for $500 worth of wood. Okay, and what we were finding as we were, as we, because I helped administer this program, what I would find is that I had a lot of repeat people. Okay, and they would come to us or they would go to one of the churches that gave out money for heating and and different things, but nobody was interconnected. Nobody knew what the right hand was doing from the left hand. So I got together with them. We called a a meeting, and I said, look, why don't we create a system that we all tap into? Let's put in there the people that we're helping, and that way we can see who's using the services. We did that, and, and the first year we found that nearly 50% of services were going to the same people over and over and over and over and over again. So we all got together and said, okay, here's the amount we're willing to help each year with each family, and we're not going to exceed that. That did not apply, by the way, to food banks. It applied to cash assistance or direct assistance about other things. Well, as we implemented that, we found that Not only could we save resources across all of the different ecumenical services, but when something came up, we were able to get everybody in one room. And we knew what everybody's resources were. So those that had the deepest pockets, we utilized their resources first. And we all worked together in tandem. During the the tornadoes, during the flood. In 2003, there was a flood here that wiped out entire areas. okay? Wiped out our bridge that comes across the dam here over into my area. Knock the bridge completely out. That's the only way in here, unless you go way out of the way. Um, we didn't have the Red Cross. We didn't ask for them. We did it ourselves. And people that couldn't afford, we used the ecumenical services, we used the churches, everybody came together. And that's the point. If people will work in their community and get to know their community, you don't have to be a churchgoer in San Francisco to know what services are there. You don't have to be a churchgoer in Delaware to know what services are there. And when the time comes, put on your boots and go to work. And that's how you make a better country. And that's how you get people more involved. And that's how you get different elected leaders. And people are like, only you would be able to can, to put it to where elected leaders. But it's the truth.
2: Right. No, it is the truth. And you know what's interesting about what you're saying is that as we organize at the township level under common law, um, we take more and more responsibility for our local communities. I think not, not enough people are recognizing the differences between general purpose government and local government. I mean, despite the fact that we have home rule, which, which generally organizes government under a certain demographic of autonomy, right? Um, there still is that lack of, of, of judicial prudence uh, as it applies to the local government because most of the organizations are authorized under state law and and it's all bound by statute and so therefore uh, you won't have private organizations sprouting up and jumping up to actually accomplish certain state tasks or, or goals that would predominantly be considered state state functions, you see, because of the statutory scheme and, and the limitations that... that well, because it, of
1: char- it's called charters, and because of state constitution, state mandates, state... Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that. But the only way that you're going to change that, because there was a time that you didn't sit around and wait on the government. There was a time that by the time the government got around to you, this problem was already solved. And we we have created this problem, and everybody gets mad at me when I say that. But the truth is that Mark, Barbara, Tricia, Tammy, me, Jeremy, uh, Roddy, whoever, has created this problem. And we may not have directly done it, but we indirectly did it by not getting out there and by not making our voices heard and not making other voices heard. So everybody has become apathetic and they don't get out and do anything. It's oh well the government'll take care of it. Oh well it's not my place. Or as one said last night right. why should I get out there and bust my hump? Well that's okay. easy. Because you're a United States citizen and if you want to keep your country, well you gotta damn well protect it Well, well because-
2: okay let me let me let me let me let me let me uh, do something real quick and let's get consensus, okay? Because as you know, in the political scheme of things here in America, not just locally but also nationally, consensus is a huge issue. So we don't we don't need to get consensus that 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 you know on a national scope. We need it on a community from a community approach. If you, so the, if idea, you the idea, the a- Let me, if you don't mind, just giving me the latitude necessary to get make my point, and then you can respond. Um, that the actual uh, ability of the local community to address the issues lies in 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 their ability to to um, uh, embody the the you know the the necess- the necess- necessary um, um, effect. In other words, the necessary actions, right, that it takes to actually do those things that the state would normally do. Since most people are, 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 are a function of the welfare state, they actually a- operate underneath of all of that. Not too many people are thinking on your on the level you're thinking on. So so there's a certain level of there's a there's a gap, there's a learning curve, and and a- unfortunately nobody really understands um, how to really apply local governance. You know, so so what I'm saying is that. Uh, through a proper organization of local governments, we would actually be able to address these issues that, that we rely so heavily on by the red, you know, from the Red Cross or whatever, or from these, or from FEMA, like you mentioned previously. You know, it's about local accountability, and and the more like like you sound extremely accountable, like you could be important in your local community because you actually know about local accountability am I wrong, am I far off No Great so 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 by uh just recognizing that we we approach we have to approach the situation from a more politically acceptable parameter whether you know instead of saying hey you know yeah i'm i'm you know here I'm living here I'm a resident but I have nothing to do with what happens here that's the government's job right see that's that's the result the reason why we see that is because of the general purpose government and the way that it is applied okay if if more people got involved at the local level and I'm saying that in a very general sense without going into detail okay we would be able to accomplish a lot more goals and quicker too um you know not just not just criminal situations but also these emergency situations that that, that actually uh demand uh action by the local people sorry go ahead sir so you're fine i huh? i agree with what you're saying okay let's bring
1: everybody else in on this so whoever wants to comment you're up
0: I haven't trusted the Red Cross since two thousand and one. I don't think I've ever dealt with the Red Cross. Salvation Army, yes. But not the Red Cross. Now that I know
2: that I won't. Well, Salvation Army is another mm-hmm. one of those companies, you guys, that is uh uh it's a it's got a national character and it actually takes in huge huge amounts of money every year that's that's one of those co- corporations that we need to be very very weary about uh, where that money goes to um, and when we look to 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 organizations that assist with local quandaries that uh, that that happen as where whether it's uh, of a, a local local you know, governmental issue, or whether or by it's an act of nature, right? Like, like a storm or something like that. We still we don't need to necessarily think in terms of, um, uh, the you know, these nationally organized corporations. Even though they they like, I'm not going to discount the fact that Walmart and 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 huge corporations actually feed people in, in their again, they're private corporations. They're doing most of the work. Okay. But we we should still at least acknowledge uh and try to bring, you know, challenge the local constituency to to step forward and take responsibility
0: I yield. True. All right. Any other comments on the topic? All right. Well,
1: we've browbeat the, <laughs> we've browbeat this topic and we've went over time. So <laughs> if if anybody has any closing statements, now's the time. And I know there are those of you that want me to touch on North Korea and I have repeatedly said that I'm not going to while there is stuff out there going on. Um but we will talk about the topic on Friday uh, if no action's been taken or no no other moves have been made uh we'll talk about it. Um, may even have a guest on here that uh is one of the foremost experts on North Korea. just depends on what his schedule is uh and he can he can spend hours talking about North Korea and what's really going on not what you see in the
2: news but what's really going on all right Anybody yeah. any um, well, well yeah, yeah. It sounds like some ladies have something to say Tammy go
0: um one of my very good friend's son is in the air force and he um next weekend is leaving to go to that area and was not supposed to, to go back um he had some R&R R for a while, but he wasn't supposed to come back until December, and they called him back early.
1: Well, on Wednesday, they raised the DEFCON level in that area. So we'll see.
0: What they raise it to?
2: You'll have to look that up.
0: Okay, because I never received
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about North Korea is that, you know, the 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 app the, okay the imp the implications of the their um, b- so let's say they 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 constantly uh, launch these test missiles right um, um, well we don't know necessarily which one is going to be a test which one is going to be the real thing. And that's 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 a, that's one implication, and that should start setting off alarm bells for everybody on the call. Um, but the other thing is the the political ramifications of it, whereby whereby nobody in the local area is is even organized. None of these none you know we have major corporations doing most of the work, but nobody locally is organized. So we're not going to be able to even have posse comitatus or any, um, you know, loyal constituency defending the local communities, you know. I mean, it's going to be all general purpose government if if, if North Korea ever does effectually impact uh, via um, uh, imminent, you know, the threat of nuclear war or whatever, or if they bomb us somehow. Shoot! You better uh, speak
1: for yourself out there in California, IA. You get... You get yeah. past Oklahoma, buddy, we got, we're got we ready to defend ourselves. We can't speak for y'all, but oh. us, us good old boys in the southeast, ain't nobody coming here. I promise. You better hurry of
0: the because <laughs> every one of us have at least one <laughs> gun.
1: You know those Not- even yeah. gun owners you hear about? Everybody in the south's got a bunch of guns, and anybody from two to 200 knows oh, how to wow. use them.
2: Well, I hear matter. what you're saying, but then from the from what I've read is that the statistics are that that I've never heard any number higher than twenty percent or not even fifteen percent of the of the population of any one of the states actually owns guns <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to the south, son?
1: I'm gonna have to tell you something. We don't report a lot of stuff to the to the Thebes. My suggestion well, I'll just put it out there. North Japan, you know, when Japan was doing research to attack the United States, yep. they were warned, do not try to come on land in the United States. And when the Japanese prime minister or whatever he was called at the time told them that Americans will shoot you for hiding behind blades of grass and that the people that have guns will outnumber the blades of grass. And I promise you, more than 20% of Southerners own guns. I can promise you. Maybe only 20% Mm -hmm. of them are reported. But, well, I... Oh, my gosh.
0: Barack Obama, being president, shot. shot gun sales through the roof. I know just in Murfreesboro, which is south of Nashville proper, they have themselves... At least four four gun stores. At least.
1: Well, I, I'm just going to say this: they might they might get California, Oregon, Washington. They might even get Nevada. They ain't getting nothing else. Cause we all own gun. Well, now wait a minute. The, the <laughs> northeastern part of the country. Yes, they might they might get down as far as Pennsylvania. But. They ain't getting nothing else in this country. I promise you right.
2: that. That's exactly what we need. Yeah, I'm gonna I, get I'm going. Just, I'm you, just
1: telling you, yeah. there is there are militias, there are state militias in most of your southern states. Mm-hmm. They call them state guards, um, civil air patrol, the state guards, those type of things. You've got those, and they do. They do. They're loosely connected. They they could do well to be better connected but right now they're loosely connected. And I do know that there's been an uptick recently of trying to bring a lot of those together. So, yeah, some of it, if something ever happened in this country, it might take them a few days to get organized. But we have learned, offer some good old boys a pack of beer for every terrorist they kill, it'll be over in two, three days. A lot of beer be sold, but it'll be over.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: okay. Somebody watched a replay of the uh remake of Red Dawn recently. I didn't watch that remake. I wasn't interested in the remake. Well the, so the remake is about uh North Korea, not the Russia. Well, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember reading about it. Alright, hang on, let me do the close out and then we'll do the After Dark.
0: Dark.
1: Right. Alright, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this. Special superty-duper episode of Political Straight Talk. We uh, normally run Friday evenings, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. on the left coast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and we'll be back next Friday, again, at 10 p.m. This program has been brought to you by Chick-fil-A, where they didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. Have a number one large-sized with a cherry Coke today. And it's brought to you by the Wall Street Journal, the right news at the right time, And it's brought to you by Secret Sleepers. Go to Facebook, Secret Sleepers, and like us on Facebook and sign up so that you can go sleep in secret. And you get to sleep for free and get paid for it. That's even better. Remember, thank a soldier, for without them we wouldn't be able to do what we do. Thank the families of soldiers, for without them we wouldn't have an all volunteer army. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. And on behalf of Political Straight Talk, this is the Political Superman saying, have a good night, everybody.
0: With the Lucky Land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back,
2: keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.